Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next one. Hello there, fellow music lovers, friends of all walks of life. I hope. We are all surviving here. It's been a rough week, uh, but we keep on keeping on, uh, doing doing what we do, and uh, hopefully taking care of yourself uh, in the face of everything. Uh, we're doing this podcast this week. We taped uh, right before, not even right before. This is a while before. This isn't the election. This isn't the campaigning. The awful campaign uh, that was run uh, for now President-elect Trump and. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we wanted to sit down and talk about bro country because, or just country music in general, uh, because it's the thing that people sometimes mock. It's a thing that people, uh, don't pay attention to, uh, but it is the most money making, or I think one of the most money making, uh, music segments, uh, in the world right now. And, and like all things, there's good to be found in it. So, um, we got, uh, a bottle of rye. <laughs> Some America and uh, and my friends uh, Casey Ray and Marcus Dowling uh, to hang out in the basement for no shit. This is gonna be like two and a half hours. So um, uh, to talk about country music, work off, work through it. Maybe play a little songs. Maybe you've heard them. Maybe you haven't. Uh, but uh, it is uh, you know we did this like I said beforehand, and listening back to it uh was comforting because this is what we do and 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 this current climate doesn't change uh the fact that we can hang out as friends and uh and enjoy life uh, regardless of what uh might be coming down the pipe uh so yeah that's our uh that's the intro right there that's it because this is, like this is a fuck long podcast so uh if you're ready to head down to the basement uh grab a drink grab a uh i don't know man <laughs> Some, grab some trucker speed because here we go. Uh, gonna sit down and talk about country music to our till we can't talk no more. I play to lose cartoons and whiskey. I can't refuse the medicine that she gives me, and I'm not one to choose between. The silence and the constant abuse. <laughs> I'm ready to go. We're we ready to go. Um, okay. What is this, the fourth pod jam? Yes. This is uh, this may be the stupidest pod jam, I think. Uh, and By far. So, and this is what I realized. And, then, and so, so, Casey, you were on point last time with the suggestion. Next time, it was, it's your turn, Marcus. Okay. But okay. this time, it was my turn. And... I, I just had a big question. I, I basically, uh, I like country music. I like old country music. Uh, we just reviewed Florida Georgia Line, um, and uh, and I have some very uh, personal connections to country music back in like the eighties and nineties, which we'll we'll get into. But 
when I look at country music in 2016, the only thing I can say is, is what the flying fuck. <laughs> and, and, and so I invited you guys down here so we can talk this through. So maybe this can help me out. This is going to be therapy for me because I need to know how the fuck we got here. Yeah. Uh, to start with, we'll, uh, we'll give the standard definition of country or the, the history of this. This is going to be uh, straight from Wikipedia stuff. And, uh, Basically, you know, and you know all this. This is the uh, the the music of the working class came up from Irish and uh, Celtic fiddle tunes. That's why you get bluegrass, yeah. country, blues, jazz, all that coming up. Uh, musical traditions of European immigrant communities, and uh, it has developed over the years. You've had a couple distinct, uh, I think, eras of it. You had the early country, which does not sound like this country at all. It's that not even close. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like uh, it's, it sounds like Celtic folk tunes. Uh, well, you, let me ask you a question: Does uh, Dream Theater sound like Buddy Holly? No. Are they both rock well, and roll? Uh, and I see, I yes. see, I see, I see what you're doing there. Uh-huh. But we're, stop but we're, stop we're, being a college professor. Man. Continue. Stop so, being a college professor. No, 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 Casey. no, no, no. And, and to it. that to that point, uh, country music. I think, uh, and this is going to be one of the questions. Is is that label? Is that umbrella big enough to contain all the stuff that we're going to be talking about? It's a big tent, just it, like the GOP. <laughs> it is indeed, man. Starting you're, early. You, you, no, you're just dropping you're, seeds. You're, you're, just, you're, you're just getting them in there. Slide it in. Uh, so, and you know, this is from 2009. Uh, That's it, White Snake. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, in 2009, though, country music uh, was the most listened to Rush Hour radio genre on the evening commute. It is, whether we like it or not, I know we are not an indie rock podcast, but uh, people like to call us that. Uh, so maybe all of you listening uh, need you to like hear this. Like, Country music is the most popular music in the world right now. In the Out- world? In, outside, yes. of, outside of EDM. Yeah, by a large Large, I just disgusting felt like margin. I was like, do you guys remember this would have been more appropriate in our last pod jam? But do you remember the scene in the movie Weird Science where the kids <laughs> are out at the blues club and all the old black yeah, blues yeah, men yeah. are sitting there? <laughs> yes. I was like, in the world? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. So if there's black faces, they're black voice. And if there is, have I caused an incident? I don't know. No, is it no, problem? No, it's okay. So. The black okay. room is totally okay with this. Thank you. Just had to check. All but right. the black room also likes country music, so. Damn. There's that. And hair mask. Oh, and, God, and yes. so a brief history of, of how this came up. You know, before it was always on AM radio, right? Which for all the youngins out here, you don't remember, like AM radio was was country, uh, folk, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk was a little bit on there. Uh, but FM was new. I don't know. Casey, can you tell me, do you know when FM came into play? I'll tell you a little bit about FM. FM was actually a pretty early technology. It was around for a while. But it was the dead zone on the mm-hmm. dial uh, right up until the early 60s to tell you the truth uh in the late 50s people were thinking about it because it's actually a better part of the spectrum but it was the 60s uh sort of long form uh lp radio culture that that made it happen the weirdest thing is a lot of the stuff that we think of as being like culturally important from that era we think of retroactively as big fm hits Mm -hmm. tons of them were am like you were probably going to hear purple haze on AM radio as opposed to FM at the time of its release. But yeah, I think the AM radio was really basically the frequency band and range that you would hear all of them classic country and Western Mm -hmm. uh, uh, hits. Shout out to the Blues Brothers. 
<laughs> Indeed. Um, but uh, eventually, actually, the FCC came around mm-hmm. and opened this shit up. And so country started leaking on the FM. And you had, uh, to my mind, was the first great probably era of, of country that we know and, and the start yeah. of leading to where we are today. Uh, I don't know if we can call it. We, is this is this going to be the cocaine country era or the Vegas that's my country? Favorite. Let's call it. Let's talk about the cocaine country era because okay. that's the best country to me. All right, go for it. I sometimes I, call it big country, rhinestone country. Oh, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like okay. So I always look at this as like analogous to like when when rock went commercial. Like I always look at country as being this genre that finds what other music is doing and then takes its most pop apparent pieces and merges it into like traditional country traditions well right. that's what christian music does too contemporary yeah, and, and that's only funny because we'll and get to that later the same genre. exactly close to it but yeah so there's this there's that there's like god so i mean maybe like what 60 what 67 68 yeah like Not fact space we're cool we're cool yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just trying to like yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. just trying to like frame it in the right like era so it's like, you know, like Chris Christopherson and who has who comes from the rock and roll tradition. Like I think Chris is important yeah. to mention this conversation. Because Chris Christopherson well, was writing Parsons too. Right. And Chris Christopherson was writing songs for uh, he wrote Me and Bobby McGee for Jadis Joplin. Mm-hmm. And there's this important thing where like you have white rock artists who come from the South, like Jadis Joplin's from Port Arthur, Texas. So there's this Jackie like, Jump Jump. What's up? Sorry for my Thirty Rock fans out there. <laughs> ja- Jackie Jump Jump is yeah. from oh, Texas. That's right. So you have this thing where the the rock tradition and the country tradition were going to collide anyway because there were all of these hippie rockers that came from southern towns. Like Leonard Skinner is in that conversation. Like, and so there's a true southern rock tradition that's so based in like hearing country on AM radio. And knowing this country and then also knowing the blues and then Mm -hmm. you get this nice vortex and you roll it together and you start to stir it together and everybody's using the same drugs. Ah, Well, it was a very progressive era. I mean, I think that's right. I mean, you have to think you have to situate country's appearance in its uh, rhinestone or cocaine incarnation as, you know, partly paved by Southern rock, which was already bringing in uh, traditional country um idioms yeah like leonard skinner well i'm thinking more like if you're really just feeling like what country really is it's a medium that was shaped both by the blues and its pentatonic language Mm -hmm. and also you know this sort of uh balladry that drifted through the appalachians further south from yeah you know the uh the scottish uh irish and english um so then you know people who came to this country hang on young man Hang on, young man. <laughs> Professor Casey's not done lecturing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, the interesting thing about uh, about the Southern rock bands, though, is that some of them had uh, an extremely high degree of musicality. Uh, think about the Almond Brothers, for example. Uh, I would say, you know, Dickie Betts. After Dwayne Almond died, Dickie Betts developed further his uh, kind of fiddle-like, yes. barnstorming, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yes. Uh, virtuosity. And that drew increasingly from that type of virtuosity that was was and is still uh, found in um, traditional country music strains because you need a gunslinger. You need a gunslinger. Like you need, I mean, even going modern, you look at the guy who's playing. Uh, he's from Estonia. 
for Sergio Simpson. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Shreds. And you need uh, you need Brad Paisley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need uh, Vince Gill. Yeah, like, I was going to mention Vince. You need, you need Dwight right. Yoakam. You need you need some of these people that can actually play guitar. Absolutely. You know, it, play. The funny thing is, I, I I claim to be like some sort of country, you, you know, babe in the woods, but I'm not. I mean, I grew. Yeah. It was I was saturated by it as a kid in Hick Northeast. Northeast, but a little while ago, like. Um, the Los Angeles Times asked me if I wanted to write an op-ed about a, a topic that I thought was the most ridiculous thing in the world. And it was literally about uh, where have the instrumental solos in popular modern country gone? And so, you know, t- <laughs> oh. touching on the idea of like, oh. the, you know, the, this tradition of instrumental uh, virtuosity yeah. uh, being eclipsed by not just the demands of three-minute radio, but the increasingly dwindling attention spans of uh, modern uh, music consumers, yeah. and then also the fact that fundamentally the instrumental palette of commercial radio in general has shifted largely to keyboard-based instruments, right. drum machine, sample-based instruments, uh, and every single second counts. Like, why not put a hook there? Why not repeat a hook? Everything's there? a hook, right? Everything's a hook. Well, like that black, was the Def Leppard. That's, uh, that's the Def Leppard, the Black Eyed Peas, all those everything. But you know, there, there's you know, country has always had. Doesn't matter if it's fiddle, pedal steel, banjo. I mean, it was a musical medium that uh, had its own idiom, but it also put a premium on the idea that these people could really fucking play. Yeah, and well, and it's interesting because because you you paired that with with the idiom of being uh, that this was uh, roots in, in in like without quote just roots music this was the roots of the family this was the roots of the things these were stories this came up from like hank williams senior yeah this came up from all roger miller like talking about stuff and and even stuff miller was doing was an entertainment type thing because that's what people do they they write songs to entertain people right, that's right but king it, of the road is so entertaining king, king of the road exactly but how many of those country songs that are just purely entertaining also have like the most bitch and flat picking like exactly in the universe? So you, so you, absolutely so you, and you you always paired it with that because they were trying to tell stories and that comes from that celtic tradition like mm-hmm. everything is a story mm-hmm. and and the stories though have to be uh have to be subtle mm-hmm. they have to be oh. sublime stories because they had to connect with people because you didn't have like this massive infrastructure that we have now mm-hmm. you you were playing you were going from dance hall to dance hall like in in a bad, bad way mm-hmm. uh <laughs> over over time and we hit the 70s i think and and the 80s uh well we hit the, we'll go to the 70s first and like you said what was hitting the fm radio was this rock and roll stuff but where where the rock and roll wasn't hitting uh as much was television because what country had done by this point because country's been a lot around like what 20 30 years before yes the so country is on shows like hee-haw country has outlets on television that you grand can Opry. Mm. yeah grand Ole Opry, me, that that you used to be able to see on television no, let, i can i can interrupt here yeah. okay I, I used to take vacations in west virginia mm-hmm. at a trailer park i did that for like five summers so is this something that say like i could do now like i can how yes. much does that cost that sounds fun it's God, I can. Like, I don't I want know the what it would be for inflation, though. but like, I know that like probably for like a grand, I was able to go up there for like two weeks. No, but I'm out. serious. I want the entire experience. I want a theme park. I want you to. <laughs> to, no, to I can, a- Airbnb it, bro. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk off air about going to Falling Water. There is a business idea, actually. 
So, right. So <laughs> because I, I think that I, 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 I think that like in late capitalism, uh, poverty tourism is a really oh, no, no, hipsters could do amazing. <laughs> no, because the hipsters are there now. Like the hipsters are there now. When think about used to it. Be like, so what's going to soundtrack that? They all have iPhones because the because of the federal government. That's all they do with their welfare right. checks is buy flat screen TVs exactly. and iPhones. Damn right. So they can download the app, Trump, brother. But anyway, so like I was saying, I would, I would go to vacation in Falling Waters, West Virginia, and stay at a trailer park for two weeks. And um, the TV in Falling Waters, West Virginia, was different than the TV in Washington D.C. And I would watch nothing but hee haw, mm-hmm. and I would watch. I like, like the way you say hee haw, hee haw. Hee-haw. That's just what it was. Which, and actually, I think Grand old, I think old Grendel Opry episodes. I, I, I think we're at a point in history where we might have to explain what hee haw is. So, Marcus, I'm going to actually give that an honor to you. <sighs> God, so like explain hee haw. You mix like situation comedy with like the tradition of like live country music, mm-hmm. and you you kind of, like, juggle it together, and you get kind of, like, this variety show It's like, like laughing with Hicks. Yeah, yeah, and it was wonderful, <laughs> because, like, I didn't know... Okay, so imagine I'm, like, seven years old. I'm, like, eight years old. I know minimal, if anything, about, like, white people just in general. Like, I maybe know all of four white people in the whole world. And I go to this place where I, I, I'm surrounded by, You knew like, the best white people in the sort of Trump parlance. Exactly. The best. <laughs> the absolute best white people. So I'm going to Falling Waters, West Virginia, where I'm surrounded by white people, usually who are like low-class white people, lower class, who live in this trailer park that I'm going to for two weeks, 365 days a year. This is their whole entire life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like my, my aunt and her like next-door neighbor had double wides that were next to each other so we'd stay there that's where we would stay you know like one family would stay there and like me and my friends would stay in another one it was cool double wide meant status yes two double wides owned by black people in the 80s crazy right so progressive it's wild i think about it now i'm just like whoa but uh anyway so i didn't know anything so i was be surrounded by all this this culture and this stuff and this country music and you know like they would they would like i'd wake up and the woman who lived across from us was big into like the super rhinestone stuff the like the the gl- she had a she had a picture of Glenn Campbell in her double wide like in the full on like leisure suit like a kind of yellowed picture from the 70s and he looked yeah. amazing the light is shining on him and then I'd watch like the TV and you get like hee haw and I'm like what is this show yeah where where did, where was this from and I and then it was funny because like the kids who live like down the way they they do this show as like their favorite TV show, and so I'd have a shared experience with like other like quote unquote redneck kids who were like the same age that I was, and we would share experiences over watching an old episode of Hee Haw while playing kickball in my in our front and, yard. And I mean the 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 thing about Hee Haw was not to spin it up to uh, to modern terms. Like this was this was sort of a fuck you to the elitist media. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it was, was like the least because, elitist because, show ever. because laughing. Was was all like, look how smart we are, and this is funny, and no. slapstick, and, and look at the history of comedy, and and hee haw was was literally and... the dumbass jokes that your uncle would tell you, About... like out on the porch, and and b- believe me, they were dumb. Oh, I know they were, but that's all I. So you, so the thing is, is like that's, and then I would like we would hear like Grand Ole Opry episodes, like I'm going. I'm going to Nashville in a couple of months. I'm super excited because I'm actually going to the Grand Ole Opry. Have you never been life. there? No, I never have. Uh, 
So it's mind blowing. I'm, I'm I'm ready. So in any of it, like we would listen to like you'd go over like like there's someone like two two like you know like rows over. They had old episodes of the Grand Ole Opry, and that was just what it was because yeah. we didn't know any kids. Me and my buddy Dominique, we didn't know any kids that were near us, so we would listen to the Grand Ole Opry. And what should be important is the Grand Ole Opry. I think I believe uh, went out on PBS. Yes. Where, whereas Hee Haw went out on CBS. If I'm if I'm correct, yeah, but, but but we were watching like the old like we were watching reruns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but but, but it was it was definitely on the, the the wavelength of the people. Like that was right. One of the few channels you, yeah, you so get like, back in there, especially in the trailer park in West Virginia. Yes, so we will watch old. We watch these episodes of uh, of the uh, the Grand Ole Opry, and I'm like, okay. So I was already like, and we've already probably established this a couple of times on the podcast. You've listened <laughs> to the podcast. I was picked on a lot as a kid, and I just got away from like all sorts of popular music that the kids that picked on me were into. So it was like, okay, so country music is a thing that I absolutely positively know that African-American kids in Washington, D.C. in like 1986 and 1987 are not going to be down with. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to dive into this stuff and I'm going to really enjoy this stuff. I'm going to look at these artists as like iconic artists. And then it was even better because when I wasn't at the trailer park. I could come home and then whenever the Bob Hope Christmas special or whatever NBC, CBS, or CBS would do the big parade or on Thanksgiving or whenever, there would always be a country artist on yeah. the, in the parade or on the Bob Hope special. And that person would become my favorite artist, whoever it was. If it was Randy Travis or, <laughs> you know, like, or Kitty Rogers, who was like, iconic to me yeah he was the most amazing human that ever lived and sang all the songs and dolly parton i was like dolly parton's the best because she's all she's on every single dolly parton's the best because she's the best yeah but i but i didn't know that then all i knew is that she was everywhere she was ubiquitous she was on even the stuff that wasn't even like you know country related or like the bob special it it was finding at at that time at that point in time i think it was finding a space for it which is sort of ironic to where the country industry music industry is now like finding a way to survive because I don't think they had, aside from certain big names, uh, people who had the authenticity that like all right. these people had, yeah. and and the the uh, wherewithal to actually like speak about a common person experience. And so you had people like Dolly Parton, you had people like Kenny Rogers mm-hmm. coming up, and Kenny Rogers was doing the psychedelic thing before. The thing is when he just uh, dropped in to see what when condition I, yeah, his yeah, condition yeah. was. See, yeah, the the first time that I saw. The video for that song, I had no idea that Kenny Rogers was Hippie Kenny. Before my dad shipped off to the NAM, uh, <laughs> Kenny Rogers played at his prep school. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. It was psychedelic, Kenny Rogers. Yeah. So he loved to uh, regale me with that. Did you know that Kenny Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> that the first, and you don't understand. Like, Kenny Rogers to me was like. The most, I mean, he was like the second most awesome white human of my childhood behind Ronald Reagan. Out of the four hey. people that, white people that you knew, yes. I'm assuming you didn't know Kenny personally. No. Would you, where would you rank Kenny within that? Oh, number two. He's Kenny. behind Reagan. But you, did you know Reagan? No. I'm talking about the white people that no, you the knew. The white people that you I knew? knew? Oh, he's number one. Ah. He's number one. Wow. He's easily yeah. the most relevant like amazing white person i knew in my childhood because every time i saw him his hair when was... you met a white person like me did i disappoint you <laughs> well, I, I, you have to understand see like it's funny you say that if only because like 
I didn't really meet like a white person that wasn't a redneck until like maybe God, like nineteen ninety. So like I went through a long time of just like meeting like white people that were typically very much like you know kind of like in that sort of like traditional redneck box. So like the fact that I like country and they like country, we could have a conversation, and they found that to be really entertaining. So like I was just like their their strange bizarre this, this strange bizarre black person they met. Who happened to like country music? It happened to really like Kenny Rogers. Let, let, let's pause here because I want to. Uh, I want to. I want to let everybody know what what Marcus was feeling. Yeah, we've mentioned Kenny Rogers. We've yes. also men- mentioned Dolly Parton. Oh, and we're jumping it. up to the eighties. But, but but we're going to do a song that has, has stood the test of time. The best ever, and, uh, and and can give you an idea of where we're at right now. And then we're going to really kick things off. Yes, sir. Uh, Helen's in the stream, guys. Back in, I believe it was 1982, yes. and, and it, it uh, more importantly has persisted as a uh, a favorite of all walks of life here oh. in 2016. You know, if you were listening like hard to that, like I want you to compare your favorite song today, your favorite pop song, because that's pop music, mm-hmm. and I want you to look at it and I want you to say, "Hey, was it written as well as that?" And the answer is, "No, it's not." That's a rhetorical question. Um. People, you know, Kenny Rogers found his place, Dolly Parton found her place, all these people found their place and were navigating different segments of the entertainment industry. In fact, in the 80s, you had Dolly Parton in, in which was actually my first vinyl purchase of all time. Really? Uh, yeah. The, the Mine I was purchased. Thriller. Huh? Was it? Actually, you know what? I didn't actually purchase Thrillers. Thriller was uh, given to me by my mom, who was very ecstatic that I'd gotten a reasonably okay fifth grade report card. Right. And so she gave you Thriller? Yeah, she probably So, so my folks, like, this is what this is what ruined me. My folks gave me the uh, John Williams score to The Empire Strikes Back. Not bad. It's okay. still over there. We can we can pull out the vinyl <laughs> right there. But awesome. what I what I bought... Can we turn it into a bro country jam? <laughs> I hope we so. We could. The, the uh, Emperor's March. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, but what I bought was uh, Dolly Parton's 9 to 5, 
which is I, I believe what a way to make a living. Yeah, what a way to make a living. And and at that point, that was a big movie in our generation. It was a big movie. It was a big song. It was a big moment for country because after that, you saw stuff. I mean, you had seen stuff like Rhinestone Cowboy, which was really just. The cheese. There was a uh, chic at that time. I mean, let me, uh, let me tell you where the other side of that chic goes. And Kevin okay. will remember because we're old bastards. Mm-hmm. But WKRP in Cincinnati, yeah, yeah. Suzanne oh, Summers. Been, I know about WKRP. Yeah. Oh, Suzanne Summers on Three's Company. Yeah. And uh, what's her name? Burt Reynolds is uh, Lady Cakes. Uh, Cannibal Run? Yeah. You're talking in Smokey and the Bandit? No, Which no, one? his Lady Cakes from WKRP. Oh, oh. She was Lonnie Anderson. So it's yeah. like Suzanne Summers, Lonnie Anderson. Uh, Suzanne Summers was sort of like the. Yeah, you know, typical Van Halen, L.A. Uh, you know, beast yeah, yeah, yeah. type. But Lonnie was definitely meant to evoke a Parton-esque vibe. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like a you know corn-fed yeah. you know situation. Yeah. Like like Duke Country infiltrated everything. And it was, the, it it was, was deeply, the ideal. It was deeply patriarchal, gross, sexist, and we're she getting was there. used we're getting there. primarily <laughs> no, for but that's that. The, that's the that's the genesis of it. I feel yeah. like it, was cause, uh, it was also cause. It was also country politan chic. Uh, reintroduced for a late seventies, early eighties marketplace that probably hadn't been seen since Patsy uh, created country, uh, countrypolitan. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny we talk about like that chic vibe because I want to talk about. Um, I was in the stream because it's it's Barry Gibb of the of the Bee Gees, a very key and important part mm-hmm. of like the the crossover of country. Um, because when disco died, like you know, like just uh, when the Bee Gees when, are a virus. Yeah, the oh, well, yeah, whatever. Um, they are, man. I'm surprised they're not Swedish. They've got like all the marks. And- <laughs> no, the BGs are are incredible. Okay, so when when, when disco dies, um, the the BGs kind of like go into like the musical, like they 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 become producers and arrangers and songwriters, mm-hmm. and they go into like the mainstream and they seep in in all sorts of crazy places you would never expect they, them. They already had done that with disco and pop. Yeah, but, but yeah. It was stopped, just that disco was the one that disco, took. Right. When they stopped doing But they disco. were a psychedelic uh, you know, pop band. Oh, but, so all of those arrangement skills, all of that stuff, I mean, they, they, right. this is essentially a production trio, uh, yeah. fundamentally, that could sing crazy Falsettos, dog whistle harmonies. Man. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the morphology there with the... With the uh, BGs is like, it's part of their entire yeah. like creative DNA. Yeah, it's but the thing for me when when they when like when when those you, guys were around right now they'd be doing trap. Oh no, of course they wouldn't. It would be amazing <laughs> trap. It would be beautiful trap. So or country. Like, yeah, no. It, <laughs> so meta. So anyway, so they um so they like weave into this and they and you know Barry Gibb gets with Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers and mm-hmm. puts together. Islands in the stream, and of course, because it's this great triangulation of like soul R and B, Miami disco, and like country pop, and like you're right, and and that song is great because it's right in the middle. Like you can't get anywhere to the left, anywhere mm-hmm. to the left, or anywhere to the right. It's not as good, but it's like right in the middle, like bang, and you're just like, and every time, just boom, and people can cover it. Like Ghetto Superstar by Maya and the old dirty bastard yeah. and Proz, the worst rapping member of the Fugees, <laughs> is a hit. If only yeah. because the hook is Islands in the Stream. Yeah, and and but but that damn straight. That, yeah. This is this is where the the power of country uh, sort of sort of came in because they realized that like by 
uh, what we were talking about earlier is that you had all these like major players, and I don't mean players like you know big big shots. I mean major major musicians. Yeah. Uh, that that populated this century. I mean, if you, one interesting thing in, in researching this is that if you look at, at at the list of all the artists through the ages, like yeah. if you just just even the list of the early ages. Where 80s, is that list? Is it with the thirty three thousand emails? Yes, it yes, is. yes, it's in is there. It, can I expect a WikiLeak of the, the list so. of all the songs? I hope so. Of what did you call it? All the songs ever uh, evered. By Maybe anyone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or were you talking in the country genre? The country, the country genre. genre yeah. um, it's still a lot of damn songs. Ken. Well, it's, it's not, no, it's not songs. It's artists. And you look at ah. you, you think about you think about the number of artists like in the eighties that like we like legitimately know about because of just the pop sphere. Even at the year that came Eddie out, Eddie Rabbit. 82. I love a rainy night. Well, Eddie Rabbit. I saw just but, but, but the list for the country yeah. artist at this time. And this is how much sort of juice they had was exponentially larger than all anything that was being played on MTV, anything that was being played on the radio. The radio you can count on like four hands because we're in the mutant future. Yeah. But you know you can have like twenty to thirty maybe people that really off the top of your head. This this is literally a list that's like sixty to seventy artists that were viable. We're not talking about the 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 smaller right. artists and. And in looking at that type of numbers, like it's no wonder that it infiltrated, like the cinema. You remember Rhinestone? Oh mm-hmm. come on, all of that. Sly Stallone the, and Dolly Parton. Those are the best movies, literally the best movies. You know, it. Uh, I think John Travolta did a few. Yes, he did. Of course, he did um, because he did the he did the same thing the Bee Gees did. He went from yeah. disco to country, like seamlessly. And and it was this transition out of that I think that got us to a weird place in in the late eighties where people. Uh, I think needed a. Uh, they they wanted to make it more real. They they wanted to get back to the country roots, and so you see people like uh, Randy Travis popping up. Man, that guy. You see people like John Anderson popping up. People like Clint Black popping up. Johnny Cash is still up in there. He's he's still like kicking around. Uh, Rodney Crowell, Restless Heart, Charlie Daniels, who had a hit early in the eighties. We talk about uh, Hank Junior's um, pop run in the early eighties. We will, we will in a second. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, you have people like Vince Gill, Merle Haggard, still sitting up there. They're, they're right. That the the cocaine is worn off. They're they're out in the Kevin. Yeah. Who is the blind country singer? Charlie, singer, not Charlie Pride. No, much later, eighties. Uh, oh God! He sang a song about some bird that would fly. It was sad. Tell you what, I, I want to play a song to prove my point here. Yeah, to, to say what we're talking about, how this transition went from you like totally edit this out. No, nah, that's cool. No, it's ha- good, how man. it went from like uh, islands in the stream to to back to more a more authentic thing, and and that was essentially uh, Randy Travis's fault. I think. Oh God. So. Uh, if you don't know this song, you... you uh, I know where this is going. You've I'm never excited. listened to music. I think we're all just taking on some country accents here. We should just finish we it out, aren't we? We are. I, I gotta drink some more if mine comes out. Drink some America. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here you go. Forever and ever. Amen, man. Love that I feel for you always will 
like fucking shit up in the in the mid 80s and you know it this just started to bring it back around all of a sudden you had people being a little more authentic and being a little more honest and, and getting back to their roots what else was around when randy was doing this stuff well um i mean country wise yeah for the for the sake of the listeners you know i i remember randy travis uh being heavily associated with the bush one administration yes yeah i'm the political guy here tonight ladies no, and gentlemen well, i'm a political science role. major too no i mean brother. i just like you know there's yeah, the, there's the popular uh cultural aspect of it and the and the yeah. aesthetic and the sonic right, right, right. aspect well, of it well, is very interesting your, your boy ronnie Millsap was around there you had yeah. eddie rabbit you had a, right. you had a lot of these people that were just just flirting with the edge that well you know eddie's like coming out of a world where fleetwood mac was a thing think about uh think about the guy that wrote uh uh daydream believer yeah that also wrote a shit ton of country songs he was also a member of uh god um not mamas and papas but uh, kingston trio yeah and he right. he did that song gold i can't remember his name right now I, it might be like I think it might be John Stewart actually, or something insane like that. Right. Uh, but uh, but you get like uh, he did that song "Gold" in the in the late seventies. It's got Stevie Nicks and Lindsay in the back. It's like a complete cocaine. Like <laughs> you, you know, your spine is about to snap. That's how tense it is. <laughs> But he's but but he's like essentially he's like a country western guy. Yeah. The people out there turning music into gold. Yeah, and that's like the song. And he's like, you can just hear the cut, the, yeah, the yeah. post nasal drip. But I but so when I think about Eddie Rabbit and stuff, like what's authentic? Is it authentic to be more like rock, or is it authentic for Randy Travis to be more mm. like well, that, well, country? Well, that's what I want. That's what like I want to get into because country. because this is. What we had and, and the the era, like the Reagan and Bush era, is is very important to this because these were very uh, conservative presidents. This is a conservative era. This was uh, the '80s. You know, we saw a lot of things like the Berlin Wall falling down, but we also had to live through that. Mm. Uh, in, in fact, you quoted that on a, pod, on a post on Facebook. The you know the nuclear threat. You know the Cold War. It's so exciting. I'm yeah. I'm really glad. Okay. So we're to back have this around with this. But 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 uh, it, yeah, one yeah, second. Yeah. No problem. No problem. You know. And, and so what what happened is uh, I think you know when that especially coming off Jimmy. We need Car- sound effects for Marcus. <laughs> we will. Uh, we will have them soon enough. Uh, but you know coming off Jimmy Carter into that. You know, everything wasn't like free when Reagan took office. Everything it it clamped down. Yeah, like I mean, I lived, I grew up in Lynchburg, Virginia. It was a conservative ass town. Jerry Falwell was from there. I mean, yeah. what the fuck? You don't need to know anything about 
else about that town. Um, you, you, you start to see uh, these artists start to drift from the heyday of, and, and not, it wasn't just country, I think. I think there was a lot of uh, conservatism in rock uh, going on at that time. No, undoubtedly. Yeah. yeah, and and what it landed back started to land. Yeah, started to land back on though was let's talk about family values. Let's talk about. What, God. Do, you, what do you mean by when you say family values as a traditional let's talk, let's country? Talk about God. Okay. Okay. Well, I can. I can. There's well, part, a, what role did God play in country music before this grand uh, Reagan esque oh, awakening? I think. I think before this, it was it was the role that God played in any type of music, uh, w- which was essentially you solace, had, you had relief, solace, relief. But mm-hmm. you had songs about God. You pleading. had you had church hymns, special pleading, right? But then you had secular music, and you secular, had stuff that was yeah. it was not, and, and never the two should meet. You that's know? true. Well, the, the, sometimes on Sam Cooke, uh, you know, maybe Elvis every once in a while when he would yeah, drift back. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, but 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 what you saw is, is instead of in, in it became not Christian rock, which I think we we've already we'll sort of that. blurted out that like it, it's, it's become that now. But it, it started to leak more into that because as you saw, like in the South, especially which country music is associated with the South, religion became just huge. When, when you people like Jerry Falwell didn't exist before Jerry Falwell. And this is the time when he came up. Well, you know, interestingly, though, the, the Protestant tent revival culture goes all the way back to the turn of two centuries ago. Right. Yeah, the yeah. middle part of that century, the, you know, the 1800s, 1850, 1860, yeah. there's a big movements. And they're cyclical, and they, they sometimes yeah. achieve political and cultural influence beyond uh, what they've ever been able to sustain. Uh, thank actual God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, in the '80s, the phenomenon of the, uh, uh, of religion being sort of uh, pulled back into that in a family values way, I think, is part of a uh, uh, of the the uh, optimization of the Southern strategy that yeah. allowed Dixiecrat uh, right. Democrats to become absorbed by the Republican Party, right. and then in order to create the Big Ten that sustained the GOP through Reagan's election and then subsequent. Uh, victories straight through to the congressional uh sort of redistricting stranglehold mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a, a really canny way to exploit at least two uh voting blocks that are significant to our investigation of country music yeah. one would be the evangelical voters who need to be yes, motivated because absolutely. they're not going to come out unless you tell them that you know everyone someone's going to come to your house and perform a forced abortion or that uh, people <laughs> will ban the word christ in your in in the public yep. school Jesus. otherwise they'll stay at home and just wait for the fucking rapture like they've done for the last 250 years right Dead the on. other block frankly are kind of garden variety bigots that need actual reinforcement socially and culturally yes. now music is not a bigoted a medium mm-hmm. it is actually the opposite it is a it is a, the most highly uh contagious cultural vehicle and beautifully so Absolutely. and i right. think when i mentioned the allman brothers previously that actually goes to that i mean they there's black guys in this band yes they they're did. playing country music and yes. acid rock you know it's just weird shit man mm-hmm. and that's the part of the south that i revel in when i go to the south yeah. i love it there's no place in the world like that I love the food, I love the people, I love those cultural cross-currents. But the ugly side of that is that there's a minority of people who have been culturally trained to respond to very narrow 
uh, informational channels. And those narrow channels need entertainment marketed product that makes people money. And so I think by the 80s, when the industry, the music industry was highly regimented, you had a pretty observable market that you could actually target for. And it doesn't surprise me in the least that portions of that big tent uh, uh, 80s style GOP that extended all the way through Bush 2 mm-hmm. and is only now actually completely uh, unsustainable. Yeah, right, right, right. Unsustainable include, and unhinged. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, unhinged. yeah. and that, that, that actually infects the, 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 the popular culture of yeah. those, those uh, demographic bands. But at the time when this transformation was happening, there was a sense that America is about this revitalization of traditionalism it is traditionalism is a cons, uh, historic conservative ethos it was better back then but you know what when i listen to that randy travis song it sounds absolutely nothing like real country to me okay so uh, I, really yeah there's a there's a point here um all my rowdy friends have settled down yes. by uh, hank williams jr to me symbolizes the shift from democratic country music to this beginning of the Republican, 80s Republican ethos seeping into the sound. Don't you get me wrong. I mean, like, no, I have, like, plenty no, of but, but it's, yeah, sympathies say, with the idea that, you know, the kind of iconoclastic, individualistic, rebel spirit that I think lives and breathes in country as it does in rock is a uniquely American thing, and it is a fucking rad thing, and I love but, it. But that's the thing. But this is commoditized, propagandized, right. weaponized. But, but that's yeah. the thing. Popular is that culture. Weaponized being the, being the, the, the key the, word. Like for me, songs that existed before that song, it's it, not rebellious at all. No, it's songs no. that existed before that song are like really awesome in the sense that they're like rebellious and angry, and people are saying like ridiculous things because they were typically like we said was, it's called cocaine country for a reason yeah because people were well with drugged out and way out there and then we get to a point where like hank is the only one left and he's like all of my friends have settled down and they're perfectly normal and they have normal jobs and normal lives and one of my friends is an actor and he you know like does typical things in, in the limelight and i'm just kind of mm-hmm. left hanging out here being kind of crazy by myself and i feel crazy because i'm not a, a normal like well, well and hank, was, hank, hank jr was was a rabble rouser in the 80s although he, he basically got kicked off he, he did the theme to monday night football yes he did he fought, and, but that's, and he that's lost the 90s. It, and he lost it because he's a racist piece of shit exactly. so you know but but what you know to to your point casey about you d- didn't feel that the randy travis is real country music is speaking to that like it actually, I, I would agree with you because what you have starting at that at that point, I think, is not just it's it's infusing God into this stuff and and mixing the church and state. I don't actually really mind that. I would be a hypocrite if I said that I did because I'm a huge. I do form, mind it. Huge fan of like black American music and. So much of that is inseparable from the traditions, the spiritual traditions that but, but there, but inform it. But there's a thing that happened 
like that doesn't happen in in black traditional oh, you mean music. Crass commoditization and prosperity gospel that yes. has no fucking social <laughs> yes. meaning other well, than well, like because because what, because what you but you didn't see a lot of this, you didn't see hatred, a lot of this in the right. in the eighties in the eighties you saw people like Travis you saw people like uh, Reba McIntyre. Uh, coming up and like doing these songs. I know some of the people that wrote those songs, so I shouldn't talk that much shit. (laughs) So, well, they're great songs. They're great songs. But, but then, but, 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 you know, you saw this like just slow mix in of of this uh, religious. You write for a market. Now, here's something. I got to tell you something. Hmm. The reason that we can talk about it this way in both. like cultural propagandistic terms and market terms is because there was an industry that was actually designed to feed that pipe. And uh, Nashville um, is one of the most amazing cities in America uh, for many reasons. But one of them fundamentally is that it's the last factory music factory town in America. Now today that's actually kind of cool and weird, but back then is like, you know, they employed, there were a lot of staff writers Mm-hmm. And they were employed to feed that pipe, and now country radio is actually the biggest pipe, at least in yeah. uh, FM broadcast radio by far. And uh, so they're still feeding a massive damn pipe. Yeah, but yeah. even back then, I mean, the pipe probably supported more writers, but they were writing for a market. So when that shift happened, when music became even increasingly more commodified, that community of people who were Nine to five workers in some respects, although they didn't get health insurance from their uh, from their right. Uh, employer. Right. But they'd get up in the morning. They still do. Actually, Nashville's weird. It works like this. They get up in the morning, go to a room, write some songs. Yeah. Write some songs with other people. Sometimes those people are assigned to you. Uh, the union guys go in. They are paid, you know, scale yeah. AFM guys. They cut the record. I mean, it's demoed first, actually. Right. They cut the record, and then, you know, whoever they match that to in an A&R capacity, who's the store, does the top line. And then it's basically marketed through the label to the radio. And it's just like, clockwork. It doesn't happen like we're going to do it from start to finish here to there, but there's project managers who actually Mm -hmm. keep this pipe filled. That's how that system works. And it was commoditized at the time of Randy Travis to but the, become the, the idea of country music, that. though, was that it wasn't a commodity, that it was the music of the people. It and was it, supposed to be a folk music and a rebel music. It was supposed to be a music. folk music and a rebel mm. music, or folk, actually separate, folk music or rebel music. Or rebel. Because yeah. you had the outlaw movement. You so, had yeah. the Chris Christopherson, Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, who, look, that's some of the best music that has ever been written, yes. period. On the Road Again is phenomenal, still. Well, every, yeah, everything. I saw I saw him do it at uh, Farm Aid, and it blew my mind. But uh, one quick thing. Um, I've been talking too much. I listen, it's all good. You you could. I've been like, drinking America, Casey. I love you. It's all good. <laughs> but anyway, so like Tanya Tucker, yes, is one of my favorite artists because she's like to me like the 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 last beating heart of like the outlaw movement in yeah. like country. She was the thi- she was the final one. And, like, her, like, failure to, like, really catch on and, like, do the thing, like, frustrates me to this day. Because well, I she, hear her she stuff. She caught it, on, though. And, she caught on, but and, she and did and it, I'll like. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. But I'm she not... did it, like, 
You had your story time, and I'm going to have my story time She didn't perpetuate into the the future. No, she she didn't. She didn't, because I don't know if she wanted to, but... So, Why don't you know Copper Squad? Copper Squad. <laughs> we're going to tell the story. All right, all right. Get around. Get around. All right, all so, right. So back, back in the day, this was, this was the, the worst uh, Western yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. This is the early... Somebody spit into a can. Like a can of beans. So we need to... There you that, go. That's hey. what America sounds like, folks. There you go. <laughs> God, I just... uh, no, but back, back in the early 90s, like so I grew up, like I said, in uh, we lived in Bedford, Virginia for a while. I grew up in Lynchburg. Uh, my family had a furniture company that employed, as in small counties do, like you, if you own a company, you employ a lot of the county. Right. And uh, I needed a job when I would come home because there's nothing in Lynchburg. And and so I came home and I said, hey, what can I do? And they said, well, why don't you work up in shipping with Pumpkin? I said, Wait, what? Pumpkin. Pumpkin. What are you talking about? And uh, so for three summers, I, I spent... Uh, Upstairs in a uh, in a super fucking hot uh, room uh, warehouse, uh, packing furniture. What? What? <laughs> and and packing furniture with, with with this guy, and his name was Eugene Welch, uh, and and his name uh, was Pumpkin because, uh, and this is this is how things are in the South. He had a beer gut. Can you guess what it looked like? <laughs> a rutabaga. In no. Maine, there was a guy that repaired, uh, like, he was like the kind of handyman that would repair It's the same motors. guy. It's, it's exactly t- the same guy. His name was Tinker Bunker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they called him Tinkabunka. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 so, but, so, but so you run into these people, and but one of the things that he, that he, he insisted on was the radio we're going to listen to. And so, you know, coming back from, you know, uh, you know we did our, our black music podcast, our black alternative podcast. Big fan of Living Color at that point, and this is like the early '90s. But there was nothing on that radio, even though it was my fucking radio and my fucking company. <laughs> <laughs> um, le- like legitimately. Um, and uh, the only thing that would be on there was the uh, country station. And but Pumpkin <laughs> loved Tanya, as do I, and 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 to Pumpkin like Tanya Tucker was. Just the winner, yes, of, of, of everything. She's like yes. a beautiful, beautiful bird. She's she is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful bird. bird. I still love Tanya Tucker to this day. Like, and still, in a really and if you go way. back, and if anybody listens to uh, Tiny Tucker's music, she had great vibrato too in the Dolly. Oh, absolutely, style. yeah. And but she for Dolly fan, you know, that's where it's at. yeah, right, 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 yeah. And so to that point, like the level of heroes. That these that this the way this music I think touched people is like it didn't matter to him. Didn't matter to Pumpkin. Right. That it didn't matter to Pumpkin. It didn't happen for Tanya, like in the same way it happened for Dolly. Really don't mind. Yeah. But because he sat out outside of his fucking trailer, drank his beer. I don't know what he drank, but and Pumpkin's gotta be good with what he's good with, and he's good with Tanya. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. And and that's sort of the crux of country music, I think. I think I think you know you have these people that are ultimately relatable yeah. at that point, and then you relate to them. And and for him, and I'm not he's he's passed on uh, at this point. Uh, so so he's uh, he's uh, basically ensorcelled in Tanya's cosmic bosom. Yes, I think is yes, how we yeah, would say. Yeah, well, I, well, can well, I put my, my ashes in Tanya's bosom at some point? <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. That'd be great. 
But 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 so I said that for real. But people. but so for him, he didn't need any of this shit, and he didn't understand the music industry, and he didn't. There there's none of the stuff that we actually talk about. It was just like, what's gonna sound good? And like, oh, this sexy lady who's singing to me, and I didn't make quotes because who am I to say? Now I I, I want to interject here for a second. Okay. Um. We are about to get to a very interesting place because mm -hmm. it's been a long time at this pivot point, this crux, this yes. crossroads. We're going to get there in a minute. But I have a request. I'd like the audience to hear this, too. Uh, it's a long-distance dedication, Casey. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, actually, it's not at all. Uh, but there was a blind country musician yeah. who mentioned him as we were going into Ronnie Millsap. another break. Ronnie Millsap. And Ronnie Millsap was probably the exact opposite of what you would consider to be an MTV era star. Yeah. Um, he had a career before the 80s. He uh, came into the 80s and uh, the video era as a guy who probably didn't have much to sell in terms of his uh, physique, looks, <laughs> natural talent. Uh, I don't even think he wrote this damn song. Uh, uh -huh. We should look it up. Well, there's a song called Any Day Now. Okay. And I want to talk about country music's ability to actually contain and absorb elements of what I would call the Great American Songbook. There is a Great American Songbook. It is... Impossible to define and elusive in terms of precision investigation. But nonetheless, we know it exists. We know it exists because it contains George and Ira Gershwin. It contains Brian Wilson. It contains Randy Newman. It contains Bob Dylan, who just won a Nobel Prize. It contains... Uh, Robin Thicke. No, it does not contain Robin Thicke. No, it does not. Not uh, even blurred lines. It contains Carol King. It contains it contains a lot of people. We know what it is. We know it's there. Um it transcends genres. It probably contains Chance the Rapper. I don't fucking oh, know. Oh, by the way, this was written by Burt Bacharach. There you have it, my friend, underscoring my point <laughs> without me having do, done any research. There my instinct right. is pristine. Here, my friend, this is, is any day now. By Ronnie Millsap. Any day now, I will hear you say goodbye, my love, and you'll be on your Restless eyes 
I know I shouldn't want to keep you If you don't want to stay Until you're gone forever I'll keep holding That was Casey Ray's Long Distance. <laughs> I can't even continue in that. I, I was trying to go for the uh, Wolfman Jack voice. But, oh yeah, uh, Wolfman. <laughs> but but uh, but uh, no, you know that. Yeah, that, that's a uh, a good example of of everything we've been talking about. Well, you know, there's a place that those songs needed to go. They couldn't go. I mean, some of them could go in in contemporary R and B of say nineteen nineteen eighty one. You know. Uh, some of them, none of them could go in rock, but 1981 was a shit year for rock. Uh, I'm guessing that the song was in 1981. Yeah. But I'm thinking that was a shit year for rock. You're 100% correct. Right. And so, you know, you have this need for the Great American Songbook to find expression in some medium and its writers and, you know, that community of people who appreciates good, broad melodies and, uh, a song sung convincingly, right. I would say. No, totally. And whether you think it's schmaltzy or whatever, I mean, I challenge anybody to, even with today's stuff, which is like, you know, heavily auto-tuned or whatever, it's still appealing to the same basic, like, impulse. I mean, a melody is big as a barn door. Yep. And, uh, you know, a sense of relatability and usually an emotional appeal. Uh, whether it's a spiritual, emotional appeal or an, an appeal to something more worldly, like a, a romantic partner, um, yeah. positive or negative, happy or sad. And th- that relatability, I think, is a beautiful thing in country music, and I don't want to downplay it. But I do get the sense, though, and I hope we can talk about it, that much of what we love about country music has become either sanitized or heavily commoditized. Or compressed it, into it, three and a half minutes. It, it, it has been both, and 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 one of the reasons I told that story I just did was to uh, get to this point. We're going to hit you with a clip right now, real quick. But this is, in fact, the reason for it. And uh, this is, I, I figured out the breaking point, guys. I know I went into this. I was like, I need to figure this out, but I figured it out. So uh, you tell me. Here you go. This is uh, this is the point where uh, this is actually the point where Punkin and I had words. 
They and got, what were, how many words were those exchanged? I, I imagine you had the preponderance of them. No, 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 no. We had, we had, uh, he had a special wisdom, yeah, <laughs> a special wisdom. And, uh, and we had words, uh, about this song and, and he loved it. And I, and I clearly did not. Uh, it was because, and the reason I didn't, because more so than any song I think that I had heard in the, uh, in the country music catalog it was the shitty pop that was starting to invade everything else, invading country. And I think it was at this point, because this album, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it sold millions and millions of fucking copies. But uh, this album sold more uh, country records than anything that had come before it. It made Billy Ray Star- Cyrus, like, think about that. A guy named Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> it made he him a star and, and ensured that his daughter, who produces equally trash music now, Bangers. Yeah, uh, is a star as well. It, it introduced the, the coming, like, reality television, the star culture thing that, that was just years you know, away. Let me give you a little Illuminati science that you might not be really aware oh, of. Oh, Lord. Let's look at the uh, syllable breakdown in the name Billy excellent, Ray Cyrus. Excellent. Billy yeah. Ray Cyrus. That looks like five to me. Yeah. Now, let's pick another one. And this actually was a, a established by the guy who uh, uh, whose name it was. Alistair Crowley, he said it needed to have that many syllables yes. uh, for that type of resonance in the human mm-hmm. mind as uh, mm-hmm. as a, a Christian name. And yeah, and, and he took over for years. There you go. So I'm just positing right now just, that there is a powerful Illuminati connection. I, okay. So I just want to get that on the record. Yeah. I believe also that Kevin is a lizard. <laughs> so so Billy Ray Cyrus comes along I think it's like 93 uh-huh. and um I mean like I think it was 92 yeah, era wake up sheeple yeah exactly so <laughs> so like so at this point this is this is the beginning curiously of the time where I kind of turned away from country and decided that like rap was was, was the universe to me um because of artists like Billy Ray Cyrus and and Garth Garth Brooks and I was like, and because like the dance was like the the moment for me where I was like, okay. How do you feel about the tush push, Marcus? On the record, yay nay. Uh, maybe maybe in the middle. But um, I was like, well, that's a human centipede. That's different. Right. Ooh. And and we'll let you continue here. But I'm just for yeah. the record, that was the last America. Oh, <laughs> the last, or it could be the last of America. Somebody could needs be to go upstairs and get a uh, juicy breath for me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we so, will. So in any event, so I I remember like hearing like. Songs like, you know, Achey Breaky Heart and songs like The Dance and just being mm-hmm. like, why? Why the way you say Achey Breaky Heart too? Achey Breaky Heart. Because it was like, <laughs> like, like, you're trying to get rid of that real I quick like, in your mouth. Why are Achy these songs popular? Like, I had come through this era and like, and, and for Where me, you're great songs. I heard these great, these amazing songs. Like, these, like, you don't think Achey Breaky Heart is the equivalent of like satisfaction? Like, what is the, what is well, the difference in your mind? Okay. To me, it's like, you take a song like "Achey Breaky Heart" and it's, uh, it's it was a, it's a three minute pop song. I mean, other than and, the fact that he's calling his heart a hymn. Well, yeah, which, but okay, so <laughs> it's uh, a three minute pop song <laughs> in the way that like three minute pop songs were cool in like 1957. We were talking about blue suede shoes. Yeah, but aren't the, we ta- also talking about authenticity? Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't. But to me, like when by this point in my life, I understood. Like, remember around this time, like Chuck D is like Elvis was a hero to most, but he didn't mean shit to me. So I'm like. Yeah. What was Chuck Manson like, though? Right. 
<laughs> Jesus. That's what I'm saying. Anyway. Casey. That's right. It Killer. all ties together. So do you of, think you think in your so, mainstream media addled mind right. that Billy Ray Cyrus yeah. isn't a genius. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, Billy Ray Cyrus is a genius. So it was frustrating in any event, because I was like, okay. There's the way that you can just jump right back course, after that. You're unflappable. I'm unflappable. <laughs> I am. But in any event, so it's like there's these three minute pop songs that I'm like, wait. I'm, like giving you, not, I'm hitting you with every barrage of man. It's a full sortie. Exactly. That's Marcus. Yes. He's just not shaking. He's not shaking. He's not shaking at all. So in any event, I'm like, these songs are three-minute pop songs. And I'm like, all right. The last time I heard a three-minute pop song in country that was cre- recorded like this, it was like 1950. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are we in 1950 again? Why is this happening? So you want the tales of top from Topographic Ocean's version of Icky Breaky Heart? Oh shit! <laughs> this is what you're telling me. You want the triple LP <laughs> gatefold version of Icky Breaky Heart? No, which, which uh, ironically, in 2016 is didn't coming. Sturgill try to make that all so again? Then, yes, he did. Yeah, so then yeah. I'm like, so then there's like the dance and like the thing that like pissed me off about Garth Brooks was like, wait, there's a fucking guy in dad jeans. With a with a with a uh, uh, with Janet Jackson's microphone hanging out of his ear, mm-hmm. like who gets to be cool? I'm like, are you serious? And like by this point, I had started to like dive back into the country catalog, and I fell I fell into outlaw country, and I'm looking at like Chris Christopherson, and I'm looking at like you know. Waylon Jennings, and I'm looking at what what are the standards for outlaw country? Outlaw country. If I were a CPA. Pure. And I and I like sort of like willingly cooked the books for a nail salon, uh, but I also did uh, like performed at open mics with my and played my own material and right. it was country western. Yes, would I be performing outlaw country because of my lifestyle? Is or your name Waylon, Willie, or Merle? <laughs> right. Or what Johnny. does it take? What does or it take? Johnny. Does it have to be? Johnny or yes, Mo. I understand. That's the yeah, Pantheon, yeah. the Mount fucking Rushmore. No, no, yeah, I, I think I think that's actually the the. But like, what is it? Is it yeah. lifestyle? Is it? Oh, so nobody nobody else is allowed to do so, it. I think you're right. Yeah. So to me, yeah, it was yeah. really style. Yeah. So like, somebody could come out the Gigi Allen and motherfucking country music, who also played country music, by the yes, way. Yes. Uh, in Vermont or two. God bless him. There he is. Um, or whatever he wants to be blessed by. Poor guy. God did not bless him. He was raised by a. Very aggressive, authoritarian, uh, psychopathic, Christian, yeah, delusional. Um, but what I'm saying about outlaw country, what does that mean to you? Okay, if the, if if we have a Mount Rushmore and it's fixed and nobody else can be an outlaw country musician, then that's like saying rock and roll is dead and buried, and Elvis, that's it. Okay, okay. So so to me, it's lifestyle. It's the, I'm just it's challenging the, all you motherfuckers even, right now because it's an outlaw country thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So in any event, gee, God bless you. In any event, so. It's a life, or it's the perception mm. of a lifestyle. It's the fact mm. that at any point this shit can go off the rails in an epic way. It's, it's the redneck easy rider. It, right. it, it is the it is. I it, love that. That's it is, nice. It is the perpetual like uh, thing that the man ain't going to keep you down. Right. Partially, and, but this partially stems from the fact that because if you are consider yourself an outlaw country uh, citizen. Then you're probably living on a plot of land in the middle of some county, and your allegiance is to that county and not to your state or your country. How do you become a persona in a mainstream record industry with that 
perspective. And in 2016 or back then? No, back then. Like, what 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 would it tolerate then? And why? Well, it's it's the struggle that that is actually it's it's actually the answer is both now and then. It's the struggle of of what the uh, what the man is putting out, pushing down your throat. And so, if you were rebelling against it, I mean, if you look at what Merle Haggard, if you look at what Willie Nelson was doing, if you look at what Waylon Jennings was doing, compared to what was going on, you know, at the time we were doing like Ions in the Stream. Uh, or, or even better, when you get to like the dance, and you get the you break you get heart. the dance. You look at you look at that, then that is well. Although at that point they they had already gotten like old, yeah, and but, it was like old and a lot. But well, dr- like some of those guys, like Willie, just smoked weed. But some of those guys had a lot of wear and tear. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say green pills and 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 and, 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 and white lines and alimonies. You know, yeah, you know, like, and, 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 and whiskey. And and, and so hell bound. And so, and, but th- that's also you why just, I have an entire character I've written. Um, uh, I, I've recorded like two songs. They're great. I they're it's seven years old now. The character is called um, uh, Haggard Almond. And <laughs> I created this entire like musical mythos for him, and I was going to finish the record. I just got distracted by other things. But the thing was. That what it needs to be is it needs to be like a Mojo magazine or some other type of like right. you know uh, uncovering of you know and then that's that that silly movie with um, the dude came out and it kind of that's why I, I stopped because it was a really great idea but I was Big actually Lebowski. Dude, yeah for, no it wasn't the Big Lebowski it was the one that Eddie he won Cruisers. fucking awards for playing a country western guy Jeff Bridges oh, yeah, 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 dude, yeah. dude 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 yeah. And the, the the dude Jeff Bridges, yeah, okay. and so it came out during that period, and so I like kind of got a little bit like less interested because of that. I was like, eh, market saturated for that weird story. Although this was much more of a meta, strange comedy act. Yeah, uh, but you know, some of this, uh, I, I I have a, a song that I could probably dial up on my phone and play it for your people. Right. Somehow it's on the web somewhere. I'd have to actually spend a while searching for it. Yeah. Because I don't even know if I have it in local files. I want to kind of reactivate it. Anyway, the song was, uh, uh, you know, I play to lose. There was a, there was a whole bunch of them. Like that's a good title. There ain't no you. There ain't no you in Christmas. Um, <laughs> there's like just so many ones. I was singing it to his little boy. Like you know, he's on, on the, he's the, on the road back all the time. Country? What's that? He's on the road all the time. Yeah. But I was doing it through all these eras. There was big country. There was rhinestone country. There was like you know, eighteen wheels and a dozen oh, roses. Shit. But it started off like you know, Haggard Almond started off in in this area where he was like. A young guy, he couldn't get signed. He got signed by a fly-by-night pu- publisher. I know you're looking at your time. He no, went, no, I'm, he, I'm looking to make sure went, it's still running. He went to a, uh, <laughs> he went to L.A. like so many do. He he sat down in the '60s at a bar with, uh, you know, Jim McGuinn, Roger McGuinn, whatever you will yeah, fucking yeah, want to yeah. call him. Uh, he had a song uh, that Haggard Almond had a song that he wrote in that style of music, and it was called, uh, uh, oh my god, I can't remember what it's called. It was like. Uh, there's a man behind the mushroom or something like that. And he's got like a fucking psychedelic bolo. He's peeking behind a mushroom and saying all all Like Bob Boylan? Yeah, yeah basically Bob Boylan. Uh, and, and, you know, I've got all these songs. I got, um, oh my God, I got so many songs, guys. And But I recorded two of them and one of them is so good. You actually, you know what? Fuck you. You're going to play this song on this goddamn podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> like I'm either going to send it to you to yeah, edit it. Yeah, send it to me. It'll be at the, the end. It's <laughs> fucking amazing. Okay. And now I'm yes. actually really excited to finish the Haggard Almond album. Yeah, yeah. I just like got so distracted. I'm sorry. Like this really needs to be real. But it's great. It's a church, of course, this guy. We'll, is we'll like, make it real. It's got like a shitty fucking. I, this is what's so funny about my life. 
Oh my God. How would I even remember that? This is what happens. I get up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I got to write this record, man. And I start doing it. And then other shit happens. I do finish a lot of stuff, but you know, on the on the on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the album album doesn't rate as high as like you know kids' college or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it can provide for kids' college. Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. You know. So uh, let's see. Back to what nineteen. We're in 1994. Oh, thank you for that. 1995-ish. By the way, yeah. Yeah. let's you know, let's just let's just cut to the chase. Yeah, country music fucking sucks these days. And we've been we've been talking about the history of country music and trying to ease through it, ease up to this point in 2000 where it started to suck. And uh, I I don't know exactly where I said I knew earlier on in this podcast, but I actually don't because there were still some good songs. There's still some good songs today. There's still people making good country music. But the song I'm going to play right now uh, is is a reason why country music uh, maybe uh, should everybody in the world should be turned off to it. So uh, I hope you're fucking patriotic. <laughs> okay. Oh no. American girls and American guys We'll always stand up and salute We'll always recognize when we see old glory flying There's a lot of men dead So we can sleep in peace at night when we lay down our heads My daddy served in the army We lost his right eye but he flew a flag out in our yard Till the day that he died He wanted my mother, my brother, my sister and me To grow up and live happy in the land of the free Now this nation that I love is falling under attack A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back Soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye Man, we lit up your world like the 4th of July Hey Uncle Sam put your name at the top of his list And the Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist And an eagle will fly and it's gonna be here When you hear Mother Freedom start ringing her bell And it'll feel like the whole wide world is raining down Brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Oh, justice will be served, and the battle will rage. So, so. Here is here is the point, and and I and I don't want to bring nine eleven into it, but this this happened in nine eleven. It's a nine eleven response. Nine eleven response so song, and and what we saw or didn't see, I think, uh, is is the point is a slow division of not country but our country into what was. Uh, what 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 were our values, and 
if we, I think if any of it, I wasn't paying attention, but I think if any of us had been paying attention, we would have seen like this, this slowly, like just diminishing returns on the quality of the music, the, the content of the music and, and seen it as, as specifically catering to and building up a, a belief that doesn't exist. Now, Eduardo was on the Florida Georgia line podcast. Yes, he was. And, and well, we talked about this in, in rom-com terms because that's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I subscribe to that. It, it's an it it's an excellent treatise by uh, Ed, Eduardo. But at the end of the day, given where we're at now in 2016, like I I can't subscribe to it in Ronton terms. I can only subscribe to it in terms of like, holy fuck, this shit is scary. So because we, what's happened since th- that point yeah. is instead of playing religious songs. Religion comes into a song as a tool, right? Uh, instead of pay, doing praise to like your beliefs, it's manipulating people who have those beliefs, and yeah. and we've seen this like again and again. And that's not to say there are not some pure country artists who who believe in in the old school purity of this art form, but but the reality is when you get to like bro country, uh, it's a mix of commodification. And <laughs> toxic masculinity and and, yes. and, 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 abuse, and prosperity and, gospel and abuse of faith that I I don't which is a weird thing for me I we've talked about this a little in the past few weeks and it's a weird thing for me because like I'm a straight up atheist like I don't like I, I and I, but I'm not the type of atheist like say a Bill Maher who's like you know fuck religion and stuff there, there's a I think the, that God can exist as a metaphor in art in very beautiful I, ways I think you're right. right and even as somebody who might be agnostic in a in a in a sense that I don't uh, ascribe to a singular fundamental human uh, uh you know ascribable origin deity there's a lot of kind of things that I would believe in terms of correspondence and metaphor and and by belief i mean could allow myself to see as being a useful decoder ring for the (laughs) cipher of experience and it doesn't matter if that happens in a song and if it does i don't mind right and if that song mentions a judeo-christian patriarchal originator I suppose I'll live with that because if the experience is humanistic, then it's resonant. Right. But the propagandistic aspect of this is a completely different story. And that is where conditioned belief is satisfied in both a commoditized way, which is late capitalism, right, and a control mechanism, which is what the exact opposite of what country and rock and roll right. And America, frankly, yeah. would operate uh, against, or would would be you know be opposition to. When sentences get too long, they're very hard to end without a dangling precedent. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, when when we get to like you know like the Toby Keith song, it's like one of those moments where like America was at a place where. They were like, like we as a country were were confused and frustrated, right, and unaware of what to do. So when Toby Keith puts this song out, it's perfectly aligned with anger. 
This all comes from like a distinct American <clears throat> anger. And once that hit number one, then it created a, a line of songs and a line of feeling that was based around anger, which is a very ma and, and country is a very masculine sure. trait. And you, you mirror that anger with, with masculinity. And then there's an, there's an anger that then looks at politics where we're in, in the, the Clintonian age and it's not scrubs masculinity. Good. And it's like, okay, it's like that. We're not happy about that. And, W is is the guy who's in the thing, office. The thing is about ascribing emotions, even within music, to genders, is gendered. And don't be a yeah. dick. Stop being a dick. Right. It's yeah. not like anger isn't fucking like something that a woman can feel, or isn't but, something that a I man mean, we, can we, fucking we, feel. It's funny. We you we, can be angry at a whole bunch of shit. It's the spectrum of human goddamn experience. I mean, there's a whole like Miranda Lambert ar argument about like you know female aggression in country at a certain point. But it was the male aggression, I think, that really grabbed people because that was where the dollars because it was a went. Patriarchal society, right, patriarchal society, and that's where the dollars well, went. And, and that gets us up to like the the modern times, yeah. It, it, in that you know you have these songs that basically I'm the most macho motherfucker guy I know, <laughs> and I'm like fuck the patriarchy. I, I actually believe that. <laughs> like I'm gonna go to box some motherfucker. I'm like fuck the patriarchy. But well, exactly. And, and I'm I think, like Rocky saying fuck the patriarchy. But, basically, but, every but, yeah. But this song, like I think, explicitly led the way to it led the way forward because you had a camp of people that were just sort of, uh, yeah, not so much Toby. We're we understand like things outside our community, right? And and then you had. The majority of people, which are now, and I hate to say it, I, do, I mean, do we want to couch it as the basket of deplorables? Yes, like, like, yes, you know, go, couch there. It as that. go there, go but, there. But, but that this, this music still, like, they feel like it's targeted or, or created or something in their community that it is of them. <laughs> Even though Even the though. actual, and, and here's the thing. Bill Clinton created the conditions for everything yes. we're talking yes. about yes. because he signed the 1996 Telecommunications Act. Yes. Okay? He was a very deregulatory dude. I don't believe past his prologue, and I actually think that Hillary arming up antitrust in the way that I've read recently. Mm -hmm. Right. I only can say this as a goddamn elitist insider. My colleagues will hold her to that because they're assholes. <laughs> yeah and so that's just the way it is i my antitrust people are fucking total assholes i love that about them because that's a case that needs to be prosecuted really motherfucking hard it's the idea that corporations by and large whether they're media corporations or corporations generally are large enough to enact fucking buyer's monopoly actual monopoly mm. uh to go beyond vertical integration into quantum integration how big are these fucking entities that actually at a local level contaminate our ability to socially organize. Yeah. So, so it's funny you mentioned that when you talk about like where country is right now, because country is like by far the largest, like popular form of music in the country. We're talking about like, there's a country station in New York city. It's probably one of the largest, like, like one of the top country, That's one of the crazy. top stations in New York city is 94, seven, like Nash FM. Like, that's a thing that exists in the world. There is a country... There's a national market. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, it sounds like I'm a jerk here. No, There's a real a national market. The national market's important. The national market right. 
is representative in its way of both the economic engine of a populace. And if we're talking about a, uh, a not just globally competitive, but a culturally competitive uh, country or territory, it is our influence is our soft power. Right. But- and so I, I believe in, in that I'm an, Amer- I'm an, I'm an, I'm a child of immigrants. So I believe very much in, in some ways, but, the projection of an American ideal that is participatory in its democratic right. uh, infrastructure, but, and also, and this is where I betrayed the the, the sort of hyper socialist kind of attitude that is that that rewards uh, activity that generates value. The problem is we are all of the cultural stuff that we're talking about is as as extractive as the imaginary evil global corporations that the leftists think of because it's part of the same infrastructure. Yes. Right. And so it's not a surprise to me that jingoism would be the result of a traumatic shock to the American populace, which was nine 11 because what was sitting around, but, but, but what industry was sitting around. Are you, in are music, you surprised though that, that it has persisted this long? Not at all because the information that was available to the people who were most susceptible to that propaganda yeah. has not been supplied because of the prior sins of, I guess, deregulatory. And can we talk about the influence then also of like the music industry kind of capitulating in on itself and then bringing the best and brightest minds to Nashville? Not well, only so bringing tech. the best and brightest minds. Yeah, well, I mean, well, 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 like, let's talk about the, the best, best and brightest, brightest minds. minds but- are now in, in Nashville, because Nashville's the last Listen, there's, a, there's no town. best and brightest minds. Either you disrupt something, this is where the disruptors are right, either you literally do that, or you're somebody who actually rises through a corporate hierarchy, which means you have to conform. Right, well, let's talk about... Like, and the same is true, is true in politics. Right. But I, but Except that, politics is, is... Democratic politics is literally crowdsourced, but so then, it's... But then look at, like... Kind of hard to cheat. But when you talk about, like, country right now, talk means. about, like, the Casey Musgraves record... Which yeah. is a tremendous pop record, just pop. Like I don't care what it's kind a of tremendous pop you're making, it's amazing. Yeah. And then there's like the Pistolani's album, which came mm-hmm. out, which is a great pop record. Then you have like the uh, Florida we- Georgia Line record, which is deplorable on a lyrical level, but on a musical level, is G.G. Great- Allen. I brought him up earlier. A friend of mine brought up G.G. Allen the other day. It sucked yeah. for me. I was like, shit. My God, that guy's one of the best pop punk writers. Right. Ever. Yeah. But to me, it's like, it's this thing where now Nashville, because Nashville's the one industry town left, that Nashville benefits from like these great industry tropes permeating the music in such a way that it's unavoidably great. Like the Florida Georgia, holy on the Florida Georgia line record, which you heard. Yeah. Is a beautifully constructed (laughs) pop record. Why is the most sinister and horrible fucking social elements of the underground? Fused with the most terrible, fucking, horrible because, aspects be, of commodification. Because we're at a point now where... Because it's what's selling. Right, it's what's selling, but it's but also... why? But it's also the fact that we only have a single market left. Like, we're at a place now where we've consolidated popular music into this very Well, the internet is tight does not wall. support niche. So if you're doing internet economics, it has to be scale. Right. The only alternative to that is not scale. Right, exactly. And th- and this is scale-driven country music. So it's like, well, I, I, it drives down a very narrow path. Don't worry. Very, just very just elect a guy who isn't like a fucking 
racial nationalist. Yes. And the other thing's, <laughs> the other thing's gonna break anyway. Right. It's just gonna break on her watch. I hate that sucks for her. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. It's also not her fault, so fucking right. leave her alone. Yeah. Bernie would have had the same problem. This is true. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's this thing that I think uh, we all in this room do, and uh, I try not to because it's depressing as fuck, but, like, you look at Florida Georgia Line, you look at, like, the bro country, you look at, like, where country music is at. I mean, even back that in, like, Luke two, Bryan record, you said, even, Jesus, even like, God. back in 2007, you had, like, something like Carrie Underwood. It was like, no more radical politics! No, 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 all the radical politics, I'm getting there. And, and, Carrie Underwood, and, Jesus and, God. But the Carrie Underwood album, like, even back in, like, 2007, she has one song on this album about, that, that literally, the name of the song is, like, Jesus Take the Wheel, and then the other song is about a one night stand where she fucks a guy who and she doesn't Jesus know his last totally name. the wheel yeah this, <laughs> right but but see those two things can't coexist but but they, but, but, the, but the space is so confused for this music that and, and I'll go back to the point I made the best selling music in our market yes. right now the joke yes. I told about, earlier was problematic because I elicited a a type of excitable activity <laughs> that the literal savior from the bible uh <laughs> yeah would feel from an right. activity that was may, that may or not ha, may or may not have been invited well but, right. but but yeah and it's terrible this is what jesus made me do yeah right here on this podcast but that's what that's the point is that jesus can make apparently in this music jesus can, makes you rapey it can make it can make you rapey it can do anything <laughs> anything you can but, do now is you can say you can say these things like I wasn't a good man, I was this and that, but I but I found the good book, and all of a sudden it's okay. And like that's not, and I sound like a conservative conservative twat, but that's not like the message that you can be putting out for people. In honestly, to be perfectly honest with you, and this is going to blow out of motherfuckers' minds right now. Let's like pretend we've got millions of listeners. We've got millions of listeners, guys. I'm about oh. to say something. Oh shit! Oh shit! Listen, the. <laughs> The, a, a Christian, somebody who follows Christ, uh -huh. as dictated by the laws of their religion, have followers of Christ have one mandate, one mandate only, to emulate Christ yes. in this world. Right. That's it. Right. Yeah. So serving any other aspect of anything really has to be put through that matrix. We're imperfect. He died on our on the cross for right. our sins, and so we recognize that. But even being automatically saved in his blood does not foreclose us from the mandate right. Right. of emulating him in this world. So when I encounter religiosity, warped, perverted, mm -hmm. yeah. in popular realms like country music, the fundamental question that I ask is, is your enjoyment, support, or volition yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. regarding this message consistent with the one mandate yes. that you have as a Christian? Yeah. yeah. To emulate and, Christ and, in and, this world. And, and that's actually the point that I was getting to is because I'm like, yeah, do what you like, but d call it what it is. And... What we have to look at now, 
as we this this will come out right before the election, which is super important. Uh, and uh, what we have to look at now, and something I, I think that I I haven't come to terms with. Maybe you guys have. Is that maybe I'm going to cast a wide net here? The people who really celebrate the entire catalog of this stuff, the people that this this stuff speaks to that that we've gotten so cynical in in these writing houses of saying like you know you just do this drop in a good book drop in a beer drop in oh you accidentally cheated on your wife <laughs> drop in this the people that speak the repentance to, algorithm the, yeah the repentance algorithm the people this actually speaks to are are more uh, numerous than we would like to admit oh, and no, they're, they're, and. Well, it's viral, so you know. The, the Nashville build a, makes build an antivirus. Is it, Nashville makes ten billion dollars a year as a city, right? Largely based on the backs of country musicians and country music and the industry writers. of country music and on the writers, backs of writers. writers. Right? Okay, well, writers, fair. Biggest sin is the publishing industry, mm-hmm. right? Right. They're the grand Satan. Yeah. So, like, so In that's the thing. I mean, universe. I mean, how many people are? Uh, and the thing is, with me, with, where I could think about this election, how it you know per, pertains to, uh, pertains to this, is that the people that listen to Florida Georgia Line aren't the kind of people that are, are going to pick up their phones when they get a wrong when they get a number that they think is a wrong number, and it's from some northern place where they're trying <laughs> to call them for their opinions on the election. Right. They're not picking up that phone call. They're just not. Or they don't have a phone, or they 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 drive a, a a flatbed trailer across the country and back again, and they know that they have to vote on November eighth. Actually, twenty eighth, I think. Oh, that's what I heard. <laughs> that's what I heard too. That's what I heard too. A rumor. lot of people are saying it's, it's a rumor. rumor. It's a rumor flying around. Uh, a lot of smart people are saying it's the twenty eighth. Exactly. Exactly. You know. So so it's like that's where we're at right now, and like those are the people that support Donald Trump. Yeah, because and because the music that they listen to reflects a society that may not exist necessarily like in an urban location like Washington D.C., but if, it doesn't exist anywhere. But it if, does if, though. If, but it does. But that's the thing though. If Kevin, Kevin defines real for these people who listen to this music, it exists. Even if it doesn't exist in physical reality, mm. it exists. In their heads, and this crazy black man. I think, and and, and that, yeah, that crazy yeah, white guy yeah. who sleeps with women outside of his marriage. Right. Don't dare ever do that, unless you're the guy we like. Exactly. Um, but let me. Those let me, two <laughs> screwed up the whole thing, and they took away this idyllic reality that has existed from Hank Williams Senior. Yeah. Up until Florida Georgia Line. So that projection, that that that, that toxic, weird ass fucking fantasy projection, has to be treated for what it is. It is freakily as if, if you could imagine Scientology hitting forty percent, yeah, at, at peak performance. No, that, that's actually, right. Yeah, that's right. Right. The problem with that we're going to have post Trump because he's going to lose terribly because the electoral college says so. Right. That's just uh, you're done. It, God, I, I could go to sleep for the, the rest election of the, like I could the literally the go to Stone sleep for the rest of the month. Yeah, I hate to say that, like before the day, because go do your thing, please. Jill Stein's of intellectually bankrupt. Gary Johnson is email me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just follow you on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, it's like 
you know, shut up, basically. Thank you for your input. Um, but the thing is, like, this has gotten so profoundly off the fucking rails that it's the immediacy after this yes. that is going to be very hard to deal with. And this gets to the question of, like, corporate tolerance and late capitalism. Yeah. As a question I want to raise, because money has refused Trump largely in this election. Yes. It, RNC is a huge example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But at the same time, there's a corner of money. It's, it's like dice games on the street at this point. Uh, but it's still capitalism, man. When you got parent corporations, motherfucker, dice games on the street yeah. are part of the global enterprise. Right, 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 right. And so you got to figure it like that. Uh, what happens to this corner of industry when the rest of industry has walked away from bigotry, racial nationalism, misogyny, sexism, discrimination, and is bending itself more towards guaranteed basic income, even on the fucking most extreme libertarian Ooh. end, because mm -hmm. they want people to have some ducats to buy their obsolescence cycle. Or either in entertainment or hardware or fucking brain interface or whatever the fuck it or, is. They need you on the corporate feed. Mm, or So what do they do with this shit after it's dead? Mm, mm, I can go for it. Or 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 does the country industry see the money in allowing country music to exist as a balance to America being run Hell, you by... already got the feed. You could tell the feed to say, I love government health care. Yeah. But still, this is a line in the sand, though. Yeah. yeah. Because ultimately, the, the industry could say, okay, there is a, a large enough market where we can... Push this anti. <laughs> this anti. Inside. God, we could push this anti Clinton agenda yeah. for four years. And we could put out albums from like every well, there will single be, but, but... breathing. No, but, but let, me, let me continue though. You could put out albums from every single living, breathing country artist that fit this. Set in stone and well working, yeah. Concept of what creates a country pop hit, and you can make these songs. You could have, you could Casey Casey Musgraves, biscuits. You know, yeah. In a, I do in, know. A, in a post in a post Trump losing society, could be the perfect anthem for people that don't want government. Or women, or black people, or Latinos, or Asians, anywhere near their politics. It's, a, it's an interesting take on that because because she certainly didn't mean that song uh, to be that. Right, but it won't be Casey. It'll be some other young woman that they can find that they can put that thing on, like Lonnie Anderson. When we talked about it earlier, when they needed a, do a Dolly Parton, it wasn't Dolly Parton. You could find somebody and put that song on so, her. So let's indict, and cast like, her let's the, indict world. the whole country music industry in 2016. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, because I, I think you know, you have people like Margaret Price, you have people like Sterling Simpson, even though not so much. And the irony of his last album is, is, is 
rich. It is it is rich, but but you know these people are continuing to push this out. They, I don't think like after this election they're going to stop like putting this stuff out because right. there's always hope for the next thing. But the difference is is that I think you're going to have more people coming up and being like maybe I shouldn't do that because I think we all agree here that like you shouldn't make. I mean, I, look, you got to have a job, but you shouldn't like make music that is just the antithesis of what you believe Can I be in. really stark, Kevin? Yeah. Like, Tony? This election is about as stark as, as people actually say it is. I believe and, it is, too. And the interesting thing is that one thing that pains me immensely is that there's a populism that I would call almost an emerging global populism because none of the yeah. systems of uh, governance seem to be working in many of the regions, including the ones that we would sort of say... Well, they are socialists and therefore not American, but they're also capitalists and really powerhouses, like mm-hmm. BRIC countries, for example. Uh, BRIC meaning Brazil, yeah, Russia, right. India, China. Yeah. And so BRIC countries are having their own problems, clearly. Uh, but the Western democracies that have kind of ruled over the roost in the distribution of global capital by the means of expanding capital markets right. are also really fucked. And there's this emerging nativism, whether it's racial nativism or, you know, some other type of thing. And so what I actually have to start to wonder is whether or not the species itself is capable of transcending its root biological code, which is tribalism, uh, in where its technology has surpassed all of that by orders of magnitude. And so at the end of the day, does globalism actually... Is globalism realizable and desirable? Uh, and does it need to be a binary? That's my big question, because right. culturally does it need to be a binary? No, no. Because there's literally three, two. I sound like Trump, but you could actually research this. There's about two Swedish guys that write pretty close to a great many in yes. majority yes, they do. of popular music. You're right. Globally. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, I mean, the question is then. Shit, I don't even know what's going on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll throw something in here. Um, we're at a crossroads with with the country because I know this turtle's not gonna. Because I know, because I know, <laughs> yeah, we're coming back down to the planet. I know, I know, Sturgill's not gonna stop. That's the thing. Because Sturgill literally, not stop. Is Sturgill, oh, Sturgill oh, literally, is Sturgill a globalist? Yes. Sturgill literally give, could, because he makes most of his money, he can make money in, in the UK. So he's he like Eastern Europe. European guitar player. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's okay with Trump. So. Yeah, so to me, it's like, you know, like, Sturgill's not going to stop making music. Casey Musgraves not going to stop making music. All these people who are on the left are not going to stop making music. And they're going to make music that is going to be very left-leaning. That's, that's, well, you, can't, you can't buy them. But I, I look at the right and I go, okay. So, like, I look at, like, I, wa- I watched Fox News a couple oh, of weeks shit. ago. And I saw Tommy Lauren on the air. And I looked at her and I said, you could put a song on her in a second and it would hit number one right now. Right. And that scared the shit out of me because I'm like, you don't have to even like be a vocalist no. at this point because the people, because look at the Florida Georgia Line album. You don't have to be a vocalist. To sing that song. About you 25 years ago, songs. I said to my girlfriend, hey, it's the potato from TV. 
<laughs> as a joke when we were walking through the mall. Yes. There was a band in my neck of the woods called Famous Potato. I'm not saying these... I was not in that band. I'm not saying these things are related or unrelated. But I, yeah. I get it. But There's the a- joke is... You could do that even in the monoculture, and yes. that was a joke in the monoculture. But it's even worse now in the echo chamber. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm scared because I look at, I watched her talk, and I go, you know, you could put a, you could put a band around her of some session musicians Narrow who are super cast tight. echo chamber. Yeah. I yeah. No, you can find us. You can find some session musicians, put them around her. You can find a songwriter, put, put them on there, and they could, they could write 12 songs in two weeks, and she could be a pop star. And I and I was scared by this. That's muncher, right? I know, but that, but that, but that to me is where the right, because the right is going to need a star, because yeah. the left is going to have a million of them. And if Hillary gets elected, then like Sturgill Simpson literally hits number one tomorrow, because because oh, yeah. that band I saw them at Farm Aid. That band is ready. They are ready to yeah, make yeah, yeah. a crossover number one pop hit. Song right now. I heard him on. I heard him on. Don't tell him that. But what do you feel yeah, about yeah. digital insurrection? I mean, the idea is like. Well, I'm, I'm we, a, I'm we a have cyber war now. I'm a techno classicist EDM writer guy person, so you know I totally agree. I, I think that there's a space for that. Yeah, and I and I think there's a space for that in country too. But that's neither here nor there. Half no, of, it's really here though. Half of half because of what Casey, would the rebel do? Half what would the Casey rebel Busgraves do? What would the album? real rebel do? I, I think the real rebel would. And this, half is, the, this half is actually Casey Busgraves album could be produced by the Swedish House Mafia. But that's neither here nor there. Okay, the, but I think the real rebel. That might be an aesthetic. I think the real rebel would like stop looking at their fame and look at their power and uh-huh. look at the power that they have out there. And if you legitimately believe, say. The things Trump is putting forth, you legitimately believe in that? Just apart from the corporation, yeah, then yeah. you could. That that then as you, an artist, yeah, then you do that. Then you do that thing. But I I think we know that most people don't, and it it's just a, what is the relationship to soul and righteousness? Right, because, because here's the thing: we talked about this on Florida Georgia what Line you, podcast. What would Bob Marley do? It's a very good point. We're Florida Georgia Line, those bros are talented motherfuckers. Stop selling yourself short. Like, make. It soul, could be bigger make, than that. Make soul music. Make music that isn't about you, just your audience. Make music that means something to people. Do you think that maybe decentralized banking and all that Bitcoin hoodoo is actually potentially an, a, a market incentive they need, they for somebody Amanda being. Palmer. Doing populism that way? Where artists become even more powerful than politicians? They need an Amanda Palmer. The Bitcoin movement does. She's small potatoes. But you know yeah. what I mean. Like, they need, in the, a, in the they sense need of like, a Michael Jackson, no, Madonna. No, but you need somebody to cross it over in the mainstream Prince. in a I way mean, yeah, yeah, that it, makes it, it short relevant. Answers, yes, I do. I, I, th- I think that is the more power you can put into people. I'll be hands. looking for that cat as an old man accumulating things. Yeah, can we can we just send Ab down down to Nashville real quick? Ab, like yeah. I mean, if you want, if, if somebody wants to make a soul record, if I'll like, just say, turn on that heart magnet motherfucker like a new age weirdo that yeah, believes yeah, that Trump's gonna win. Yeah, yeah. If say if say Miranda Lambert wants all, to make like, a soul on secret with it and draw this guy out, <laughs> no, yeah. but I'm I'm gonna say like I'm gonna say, we'll, like we'll do a management phalanx. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna call out I'm gonna call out Ab in black right now and tell him to go down to Nashville, and hang out with Miranda Lambert, and see what happens. 
But that would be a good look, I think. That would be the best look. Who cares about today's stars? There's nothing. We need somebody who's going to really actually say something. Yeah. No, that's it. That's it. Say something. You you look at like right. we, you were just on you were just Perfect. on the Solange just put out an album. People, Beyonce put th- these are people of privilege that are they're able to anything? do this. But well, yeah. the, the reality right, is right, right, the right. reality is okay. is that if you work if you work in Nashville, you're actually sort of in a place of privilege because you have to you're say in the something. music industry and you make money where everybody else is. I mean, fuck indie rock. <laughs> like those kids aren't making any money. No. You're making all, all the money. Of it, all of it. You're making all the money, and it is on you to like sort of just wake up and say, "Hey, yeah, build, well, you build a business around that guy. Yes, yeah. figure out how to mm-hmm. tease that guy out or girl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I say guy in that dude sense. Yeah, yeah, or they, yeah. I literally don't give a shit. Just be righteous. <laughs> God, just be I, fucking righteous. Just be fucking righteous, star. Man. Where you at? Carla I want Carrera. a transgender fucking country star, uh, uh, motherfucker. Let let, I want put, the cosmic transgender. You and I are gonna find the David Bowie of transgender no, country stars. She exists, and we can find Carmen Carrera and get her down to Nashville and put her in the studio right now. Who is she? It'll work. Does she write good music, or do, can she be partnered with people? I'll put up know. a picture of her on, on Instagram, and you'll see. I can't tell from a picture. Yes, you can. <laughs> is there a voice? You said voices don't matter, but they say... Gentlemen, so, gentlemen I, think, I, I, so totally I, I think we're fizzling out, but that's yeah. okay. Yes, we are. Because we beat a record. We, we are at an hour and 47. Damn! Uh, but okay. I do want to, before we get out of here, and then I'm going to come back real quick for your reaction to this, uh, one of the greatest country songs, and so this is what we talk about, uh, not just country, but rock, uh, and, and just connecting and writing a goddamn human song uh you'll probably know it so i'm just gonna hit play on it he said i'll love you till i die she told him you'll forget in time as the years went slowly by she still prayed upon his mind Kept her picture on his wall Went half crazy now and then But he still loved her through it all Hoping she'd come back again Kept some letters Eighty nineteen sixty two. He had underlined in red every single I love you. I went to see him just today. But I didn't see no tears All dressed up to go away First time I'd seen him smile in years He stopped loving her today It placed a reef upon his door And soon they'll carry him 
stop loving her today. George Jones, he stopped loving serious? her today. Yeah, no, we're 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 about what to we're fuck? gonna wrap up. We're gonna wrap yes. up now. We're still here. We're still here. George, uh, possible. George Jones. George wow. Jones. He stopped loving her today. I mean, here's here's the conceit of the song. This is all you need to know about country music. Is this man loved this woman for so long that he stopped loving her when he fucking died, <laughs> and that is a grossly and darkly romantic version of of life. But let come me on, tell you something yeah. about Southern culture that I love. It is gothic as. Exactly. Fuck. That's why there's a portrait called American Gothic. Yep. So, yeah. well, boom. Wow. Um, you know, boom. and fucking aliens and lizards <laughs> and shit. <laughs> well, this has been the uh, fourth pod jam. Uh, <laughs> I think the guys are coming out. Yeah, I think it's the best. I think it's just, we, we this we we got lit a little bit. This is yes. uh, this is this is in the spirit of what we do. Uh, you know, if you listen to these when uh, you're on Casey and Marcus is on. This is literally, we just come down and try to answer shit. It's about as far as we can go as human beings. Yeah. And we also possible we, we, went, possible we, went, lizard every, we went from everywhere to talk about, you know, Hank Sr. to discussing spaces for transgender people in the country music industry. So if somebody in Nashville wants to listen to this uh, podcast and give us all a check. Peel back your faceplate. <laughs> 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 and make it happen. Yeah, All right, make man. that happen. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming Universal down. Records. And uh, Marcus, you're on point next. Yo, so, I'm, I'm, so I, I got to bring the fire now. You got to bring the fire now. Damn. See you guys later. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kenobi! <laughs> <laughs>